0: Welcome to The Omega Particle. I am your gracious and humble OPP, Anchorman of the Federation, sitting behind the golden microphone, Jonathan Wiegand. Some call me the Dr. Bolithium but never fear. The Anchorman of the Federation is here, with half my brain tied behind my back, just to make it fair. Thank you for joining the program today. Uh, wow, we're going to another uh, man, I don't know if it's going to be a controversial one or not, but um, kind of talking about Enterprise and why it was canceled. And before you say, well, Jonathan, it's because of the campy acting and uh, terrible writing and terrible time slot, I will say, yes, but <laughs> there's more to it. And because um, I always thought that. And again, I'm going through this whole rewatch. I'm, I'm coming into it. I'm like, wait, this. there's a little bit more to this story. So I was like, this would make a great episode. And um, I will set a limit. And Luna, you can keep track of me. Luna, my uh, intern sound engineer, she, she'll she keep track of this count. Um, how many faith of the heart jokes we can make? I think we've set it at five. Don't let that limit you because we've got faith of the heart. <laughs> and if you don't know what I'm talking about, we'll, we'll get into that. Because I'm sure maybe some of you have never even seen Enterprise, ever heard about it. Um, Maybe you think this is a uh, Quantum Leap thing with Scott Bakula. It's not. It's official Star Trek. If you've never seen it, it is on Paramount+. Plus, Because the evil uh, corporate overlords (laughs) have uh, consolidated all of Star Trek into that one beautiful streaming service. Yeah, but I I won't mince words either. It's on Paramount. There are some issues with it. It is the red-headed stepchild of the Star Trek universe, and we're going to get into why but I'm just, just get a couple episodes. Uh, just choose it random. Doesn't really matter. (laughs) Um, check it out. If you've never seen it, let's get this candle lit Luna and roll that beautiful bean footage. Like I mentioned, if you've never seen Enterprise, um, this is a little backstory talking about the show. Um, it was originally launched in 2001, and if that year perks up, yeah, that was kind of the end of the golden age of Star Trek, as I call it. You had TNG, DS9, and, and Voyager ended in 2001, and Enterprise, and it was going to be completely different Star Trek series. It's set a century before the events of the original series, so you got a hundred years before. Before Kirk and between Archer, who's the captain of the Enterprise, NX-01 and Enterprise 1701 with Kirk. It really just chronicles humanity's first steps into deep space exploration. Talks about how we got into space, how the Vulcans are a bunch of (laughs) douchebags. If you've uh, never seen the show, it's pretty hostile to the Vulcan people. It's like the Vulcans raised their gas prices to five dollars or something. Hot. That's hot. Um... (laughs) Never mind. It was actually a fun fact um, talking about the Faith of the Heart. If you don't know what that joke is, intro song is actually this poppy cover song called Faith of the Heart. And it's really corny. And it's kind of like this mosaic um, kind of plays behind in the intro, like showing how we first went from like ships on the water exploring the Atlantic all the way to, you know, Zephyr Cochran. So it's very terrible. <laughs> I'm not gonna mince words, it's not good. But it's kind of like one of that thing where um, it's like the Chicago Cubs, you know, they they suck so bad, you just love them. So it's kind of that what it's like now and I can say that as a lifelong Cubs fan where we're not good. So like I said it, the the show really started out as this kind of a a serial kind of show and we'll get into why they had to make it that way with big over like reaching arcs that never developed so the show actually started but transitioned away from these what I like to call standalone episodes which kind of make the best track um, you kind of get you're in and out you learn a lesson and that's it and it kind of it, it was really good because it explored like certain relationships in the alpha quadrant we really haven't talked about before like Um, The war between Vulcans and Andorians, and threw some Klingons in there as well before the Kittimer Accord. So it it had some really interesting themes that never developed, and we'll get into why. Um, And then all of a sudden, like I said, it was started in 2001, after um, post-911 America, it turned into this serialized war story with these new antagonists called the Zindi, and it... Definitely made a big effort to reflect the darker mood of the country. Um, It was not very good that third season. But like we'll say, we'll get into reasons why. And even the fourth season leaned really hard into fan servicing. And one of the major points of the whole entire show, um, especially the fourth season, is you see the formation of the Federation. um, Even offers a crazy explanation for the Klingon's widely different appearances. In the original series versus later Star Trek series, I think it was like a disease or something, that that's what caused the ridges to form or or go away or something wild like that. Um, and we even managed to sneak in a TNG cameo in the show's extremely polarizing finale. Um, however, as we know, the fourth season, the ratings were no longer sustainable, and UPN canceled the series. Um, <laughs> the funny thing is, in the original series back in the 60s there was a huge letter writing campaign that saved the the original series tos and they uh, star trek fans thought hey let's do it again let's do a huge letter writing campaign to revive the show and get a fifth season for enterprise and it fell and it was awful (laughs) and we got nothing from it and it was dead so for the first time since 1987 there was no active star trek um, on tv and on, in production it was a many people can quote it to the failure of the previous two Star Trek films but it was enough to put the franchise on ice until it was revived by J.J. Abrams and all his lens flares in 2009 so that's kind of like this a backstory on Enterprise if you've never heard of it you've never really have no idea what it's about and it's kind of again like I said it's somewhat of the red-headed stepchild of Star Trek. I, I mean, I definitely believe that. Um, normally, my normal rotation of watching Star Trek shows, I usually sometimes skip it. It's just, it's not for me, but that doesn't mean it's somebody can't enjoy it. So I think everyone should at least try it. But hey, it's whatever. <laughs> so time has revealed the qualities of Enterprise, I would say. And as some fans um, think... And that there's really a, str- a strong affection for it. I know that um, there's a new shuttle pod. It's called shuttle Pod Podcast. And it talks about kind of the same rundown that the Delta Flyers are doing with Voyager. They're doing with Enterprise. And it's wildly successful. So, I mean, there is an audience for it and people do like it. So, I yeah, so it's just a weird thing, you know. Um, Time does that especially with these shows that get canceled in the early to, mid2000s, and all of a sudden there's a huge fan base form later. Over the past like, I don't know, 10 minutes, I've been saying that yeah, Enterprise can be considered the redhead stepchild. And one of the main reasons why is that is that every other major Star Trek show, TNG, DS9, Voyager, all went seven seasons. And they went either seven seasons because they had really good ratings or they had seven seasons because of the contract negotiations. But they all managed that. And Enterprise, as we know, only went four. So it had a detrimental effect. And I mean, it definitely hasn't helped its reputation. But like I said at the beginning of the show, I I personally believe this. Yeah, every Star Trek show has had low ratings before. And there's been things done to, to boost the ratings, whether it's Adding the sexuality of Seven of Nine on Voyager, or um, DS9 becoming more serialized and more darker, and bringing more war um, storylines, or whatever have you. Enterprise actually almost was doomed from the get-go. It's the most heavily influenced Star Trek by um, the studio than we've ever had, and probably will ever have, um, sadly, and. And it's, and it's really sad because I feel like looking through the fifth season and the potential that could have been, it could have been a really good show and even gone seven seasons and not be labeled this uh, redheaded stepchild. So um, we're going to get into that. But before we do, if you're not familiar with Enterprise, we're going to talk about how it ended. So quite frankly, Enterprise ended on a bad note. <laughs> it's probably one of the worst um, sci-fi endings of all time. I, I remember the first time I watched it, I was like, what the heck is going on? And why would they do this to us? So it's an, I guess you could say infamous as an infamous series from an It's called These Are the Voyagers. And right off the get-go, it time jumps three years from the previous episode. So if you're watching, like I was just straight off, like I think it was on Netflix at the time, and you're just boom, boom, boom. And you're like, what the, okay, three years, no explanation just boom you're three years in the future and the reason they did this was because they had to align with the previously established date for the founding of the federation so i guess if it went full seven seasons it would have lined up perfectly maybe that was the ultimate plan and i couldn't find anything in my research about that 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 was the hope of going seven seasons but it yeah it just didn't do that so they kind of just sped it up for the last um for the last episode. And if you think, I know the show got canceled mid season, um, for the fourth season, but you think they would kind of like the studio would have prepped them, to like, hey, like we're gonna cancel you. Let's try to wrap it up a little good, but that's just me. Uh, hindsight's 2020. Um, this isn't even the worst part, is that we have a needless death of Trip Tucker just randomly, and it didn't add anything to the to the finale. It just feels like they were, had like a checklist and was like, well, somebody's got to die. Uh, uh, I'll make a trip. Yeah, he'll die. <laughs> it's kind of throwing a dart at a dartboard. There's really no rhyme or reason. And I guess it was kind of for cheap emotional tools. But I, that's fine. But I think it would have been okay if you just left him alive because there's nothing really than saying, like, oh, why'd they kill him? <laughs> like, that's all you're left with. But the piece de la resistance of the whole season, series finale, should I say, is the fact that the entire affair of the last episode is nothing more than a holodeck program run by Will Riker on the Enterprise. So you have this aged Will, uh, Will Riker, who's supposed to be, the episode is supposed to be like in the middle of TNG season seven, episode 12, The Pegasus. So it's supposed to be like in the middle of that. And you, it just, it just, you can tell like even Deanna Troy's in there, they, they've just aged. Cause that's, you know, normal from when the show ended. And I think it was what, um, 95, 96. And then all of a sudden you have this finale in 2004, they're going to look different, <laughs> you know? So it just doesn't, it just didn't land well. And I thought it was kind of cheap, especially with the whole chef thing too. That really kind of made me mad. Um, so chef, the whole four seasons you're kind of wondering who um the the main chef is. You don't really ever see his face. It's kind of like this little like mystery. It's almost like this home improvement neighbor. Will will we, will we not see his whole face type of thing. And No, it just turns out that's uh that's Will Riker. And he just takes the place of the chef and gives advice to the crew throughout the last episode. So they pooped in our face twice. <laughs> I was not I don't know why I'm so hostile about this finale, but it's all coming up, I guess. And it it just, I mean, the whole fourth season was just really kind of, um, just an exhaustion. In my opinion, it was just, um, it was very rushed. It was very, um, yeah. And so it was the perfect kind of culmination to that where it didn't really make any sense. Everything was rushed. I mean, even the seasons before they were building up this, uh, antagonist called the Zindi as being the major villain, and they barely even made a ripple or were even really mentioned in season four. So instead of, like, building up the antagonist, they just really, like I said, went for the fan service. And they did really short arcs that tied the series more closely to the remainder of Star Trek lore. I mean, they even did, like, a mirror universe and had an encounter with uh, Noonie and Soon. So um, I just feel like Brent Spiner cashing them checks, baby. Because I feel like he's been in like so many freaking uh, Star Trek shows. I think he's been almost in every single one. Um, but yeah, like I said, it was just they, they just jammed so much in there that they really needed two to three seasons for it to breathe. And again, it's kind of leading more to like its bad reputation. But again, as we'll get into why it was cancelled, like the studio inter- interaction, studio influence on those decisions. So it wasn't like directors and writers had full full reign here and they were really bridled and held back by the studio. And that's kind of sad because I feel like, and I hate to say this, as we'll get into, um, it could have been season five could have been special, even the future seasons on top of that. But without further ado, we're actually getting to get into why it was canceled. And I mentioned studio interference and studio uh Challenges and, and bridling. So even from the very beginning, the very first episode of, of Enterprise, you can see the tentacles of um, Paramount and Viacom Corporation going into the, the plot of the show. And I, and I feel like the premise is brilliant. Like you have this compromised galaxy where it's not safe. There's no rules. There's no prime directive. There's the Federation really isn't the Federation. You know, it's kind of just Earth. Earth and Vulcans are working together, and that's it. And so, I feel like you could really have had a lot of fun with that. Yeah, they they decided to go this weird um, route with the temporal cores, as, as I'll mention. So, executives, like I said, started from the first season. Executives already vetoed the very early ideas um, that the producers brought to the table, and then continued to make suggestions throughout this the series. Um, studio had significant control over the first two seasons. And they only really started to get some type of, like, freedom starting in Season 3, which, as we know, in Season 4, was nothing was paid off. So it just seems like you had a little bit more traction in Season 3, and then Season 4 falls off because, you know, it's rushed, and the studio knows it's going to get canceled, so let's try to tie it to Star Trek lore as much as we can. And, I mean, and if you don't know about... And I'm debating making an episode of this because the Temporal Cold War is literally like one of the most confusing, boring, over-the-top, like, conflicts in Star Trek. Um, There's literally factions. In a nutshell, the Temporal Cold War is two factions throughout time that battle one another to, to like, gain control of the timeline. And that sounds straight out of the MCU. (laughs) Loki and... And all that kind of stuff like it's but there's no organization to it. It's just like, okay, sometimes sides flip flop, depending on like the time the time they're in, like the Klingons are against the Federation. And then 200 years later, they are in favor. It's just it's all over the place. And and that's because the studio actually (laughs) were responsible for that. So this giant piece of nonsense, the studio was (laughs) responsible for it and produced and they wanted to do that because they wanted to bring in a futuristic aspect. Um, They were worried that it was going to be too prequely, and it was going to be too, like, in the past, and they wanted to bring in a future aspect. Even the famous uh, Brian Bronca, the Star Trek producer um, said the plot line was uh, strangling. Like, you couldn't do anything with it. And good God, yeah, it was bad. And even one executive, like, just a side note, wanted to do a different boy band, each week on Enterprise to perform, whether it be Faith of the Heart or, like, I don't know if it was a performance on the holodeck. I don't know, because they didn't have a holodeck. But it was just, they just, I mean, we really don't know what the show would have been like without executive meddling. And that's really sad, because I think it could have been something really cool. Like I said, um, season five, these are some proposed plot lines that have kind of, like, leaked out. So before they received the word of the show's cancellation, writers were already like developing plans for season five, so this is why we have them. So they w- wanted to move the show in the direction of the original series and delving into the Romulan Wars that led to the creation of the neutral zone. That plot point alone would have been like super hella cool because we really don't get a super deep explanation in the next generation. It's just like, well, this is a neutral zone, and you just don't go in it. (laughs) And it's like, okay, well, why was it created? What happened? And I just feel like they could have gone through a bunch of actual wars, but then the diplomatic side of it and seeing how it was created and the logic behind it. And it's something we've really never explored in the TV show. So I thought it'd been cool. And, um, and also they would have made to Paul, like half Romulan. I thought that would have been like interesting point. Um, another plot line they would have revealed, the origins of the Borg queen as a Starfleet medical officer who made contact with the Borg. Um, it was even supposed to feature and have the return of Alice cridge as the Borg queen. So I I think that would have been kind of neat to see, um, a little side project with the Borg, especially after Voyager and their whole expansion of Borg, um, lore. I thought that would have been nice to see the creation of that. And we get a little bit of that in Picard, but not too much. I'm walking on eggshells. Don't want to spoil anything randomly for you guys. Um, and also another big plot point would, it would have spent more time on Earth's history and how it became this like Trek era, like paradise, you know, that that they had in the 24th century. And as we know with like DS9 and the Bell Riots in and even Picard we see it a little bit, like there's definitely a monumental shift. And I feel like, to See that play out on Earth would be cool, and maybe that's an idea for a show. I don't know, but um, uh, another option they have here, I'm just going down the list. They've even made Shran a main character, which is played by Jeffrey Combs, who's an Andorian. Um, Andorians, if you don't know, are those blue people with the little uh, I don't know what they're called, uh, <laughs> uh t- tentacles. I, I don't know, don't look at me, Luna t- tentacles on top of their head, but um, anything with Jeffrey Combs is great. Star Trek uh alumni and almost everything so um anything he's in is good. Yeah, I definitely think with all these heavy plot points, um they definitely could have been one of the favorites and even push forward in the season 6 and season 7. But we'll never know because there's a lot of issues from the studio and even going deeper, like in my research I found out that the studio pretty much like set up the show to fail. Um, and that's, I mean, there's a number of reasons why you could say that. Maybe that was because there was, um, the issue with the next generation movies crashing and burning with nemesis. And that was like, apparently had really poor reviews and disappointing box office numbers. And then you also had like kind of the fatigue of the entire Trek series. Cause it had shows since 1987, now we're getting into 2003, 2004, near the end of the fourth season of Enterprise. So it's been on TV a long time. And so I think maybe some people just got tired of it or just took it for granted or what. Um, it's just, I mean, to think about it, I mean, there was a time in the 90s when there were two Star Trek shows on at the same time. And that that's a lot. Like, I mean, especially if you're a dedicated fan and we don't have the, and people in the 90s didn't have the resources we do now or you can record and DVR and catch it later, just watch a whole season, like, in one weekend. You had to watch it at 8 o'clock on Friday night, and if you missed it, you missed it. <laughs> and so um, hopefully they'd show a rerun in off-season, but, yeah, it was kind of um, more difficult to watch, so people had to choose what they wanted to watch. And so it just kind of, yeah, They I guess they didn't compete very well. And there's also some issues with, like, CBS um, fired um, the president, Mel Katzman, in 2004, over differences with Viacom and, and a lot of people, especially um, the actor who plays Trip Tucker actually said in, a, in an interview, he's like, he was a major, um, major fan. And same thing with um, a guy named Kerry McClug, McClug, is that it? I don't know. Um, he got fired. And so after that, they had these guys in the boardroom that were really backing them. They lose their job. And then all of a sudden they get moved to this um, Friday night time slot which apparently on UPN, I didn't know this, is that if the local baseball team, so if you live in St. Louis, is playing at 8 o'clock and Enterprise comes on at 8.30, that they'll play the baseball game over Enterprise. So um, even in Scott Bakula's hometown of St. Louis, they were showing the Cardinals game instead of Enterprise. So (laughs) you can't really say, oh yeah, I was given the best opportunity to succeed. It was really kind of just like showed the door in a, quiet way being be like, we're kind of done with Star Trek. Let's go away. And I mean, you can make the argument, maybe the ratings weren't as bad as, as Voyager or DS9 in the early years. And I know DS9 and Voyager had more contractual obligations with the network. So um, they didn't get fired. And maybe that's why they did that with Enterprise because they didn't want to get trapped into this um, kind of unsuccessful thing. Who knows? And who knows how Enterprise would have been without the tentacles of corporate overlord, overlords kind of reaching in. But that's for history to decide. And I mean, I know there's a lot of people that want to Paul to show up on lower decks. I think that's a movement that, that the Trekkies are on and I totally support it. I would love for them to bring in some kind of like tip of the cap and they, and to be fair, they have done that through discovery. Even now lower decks, they name things after uh, Jonathan Archer. They mention him or bob So it's, it's, it's not bad. And I know it's definitely lore, but I think sometimes we give it, um, give it a hard break for being the redheaded child. But at the same time, you can look back favorably on this going and thinking and knowing this backstory and be like, well, maybe, maybe it's not as bad as, as we all think. And that's me included. Cause I'll be honest. Sometimes the acting is super campy, but I don't know if you've ever watched the original series that is like the master of camp. So um, nothing wrong with that. It just got to be in the mood for it, man, whatever floats your boat. All right. That has been enterprise and, why it was canceled, the studio, meddling, and, and everything in between. So, thank you so much for listening. And, Luna, let's light this candle. Thank you so much for listening. As always, you can reach out to us on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all of it. Uh, we're not into TikTok. I just. Um, no, <laughs> in my mid-30s I'm not having the time to make all those TikToks um, but anyway, thank you guys again, and as always remember to rate, review, and subscribe love to hear from you guys, and if there's anything like an episode, something you disagree with or something you agree with, love to hear from you guys, as always later on this week we will be releasing another News and Brews episode talking about just the, the weekly Star Trek the good stuff that comes out and always remember, second star of the right straight on till morning.